That song gets me every time. It's a beautiful song. Well, good morning again. We uh, have been very blessed so far, haven't we? If you're a uh, first-time visitor here at Avondale Memorial, I want to just once again extend a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you have chosen to be with us and worship here today. And uh, as I said earlier, you've come on a very special day because today we are celebrating um, this Christmas time, the birth of Jesus. So it's it's a good time. This is uh, the part of the service, I suppose, where I get to open up the Bible and share some thoughts with you. And I've been given 20 or so minutes, so we'll see how we go. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for that greatest gift of all, the gift of Jesus. As I speak, as we take a moment to think, to meditate, fill our hearts with your spirit, lift our minds heavenward draw near to us. We take hold of your promise, Lord, where you said, where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there. So fulfill this promise, be present here in a special way today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. He has been called by many names. Some of his names are your man, Chimney John, Grandfather Frost, Papa Noel, Sinterklaas, Father Christmas, Jelly Belly, and to us, he is Santa Claus. It's hard to get through this time of year without seeing him or hearing about him. Parents take their they're sometimes uh, happy, kids, to get photos with him. There have been songs sung about him, books written about him, movies made about him. Advertising companies love him at this time of year. He is known in every continent in the world and almost in every country in the world. He travels freely and safely from one country to another without any hassles. And despite his aliases, the fact that he has no passport, a sack full of undeclared goods, and a whole team of reindeers, we let him into our country. Border security seemed to turn a blind eye. No one's going to turn him away from our shores. There's no one there to send him to Christmas Island or one of our other detention centers. Santa Claus. But who is Santa? Where did the legend begin? Well, today's Santa Claus story finds its roots in a real-life person who lived in the 3rd 
and 4th century. His original name was Nicholas, which in Greek means victorious. He was born in AD 280 in what is now known as Turkey. He became an orphan at the age of nine when his parents died of the plague. He studied Greek philosophy and Christian doctrine. He became the Bishop of Myra in the early fourth century where he held this post until his death on December 6, 343. History recognized him as a saint, but in the third century, he was a bit of a troublemaker. He was jailed twice, once by the Emperor Diocletian for religious reasons, and the other for hitting a fellow bishop during a debate. He is best known for the kindness he showed a poor neighbour who was unable to provide the customary dowry so that his three daughters would attract husbands. Old Saint Nick slipped up to the house by night and dropped a handful of coins, gold coins, through the window so the eldest daughter could afford to get married. He did the same for the other two. This story was the seed that watered with years became the Santa legend. Every generation adorned the story with another ornament until it sparkled more than a Christmas tree. The gift grew from a handful of coins to a, a bag of coins. Instead of dropping them through the window, he dropped them down the chimney and rather than land on the floor, the bag of coins landed in the girl's stockings, which were hanging on the hearth to dry. Over the centuries, his acts have been embellished. His wardrobe and personality have undergone uh, some transformation. As a bishop, he wore the traditional ecclesiastical robes. He is known to have been slim, with a dark beard and a serious personality. But by 1300, he had a white beard. By the 1800s, he had a big belly and a basket of food over his arm. Soon came the black boots, a red cape, a cheery hat on his head, and in the late 19th century, the, ba the basket of food became a sack of toys. By 1930, he was a robust six-footer, with rosy cheeks and a Coca-Cola. Over the centuries, Sant has become the composite of what people want. He reflects the desires of the people around the world. He is a friend who cares enough to travel a long way against all odds to bring good gifts to good people. He's a sage who's aware of who's been naughty and nice. And he rewards those who are good and he overlooks the bad. He's a friend of children who never gets sick or old. He's a father who lets you sit on his lap and share your deepest desires. Santa. He's everything we need in a hero. 
He's the personifications of our passions. He's the expressions of our yearnings. He's the fulfillment of our desires. And the betrayer of our expectations. What you say? Betrayer? Yes. Betrayer. Because you see, Santa can't provide what we really need. First, he's only around once a year. When January comes around, he's history. When December's requests become January's payments, Santa has left the building. When it's time to clean up and return to work, he's nowhere to be seen. When your exams are looming, he can't help. When you're sick or alone, you can't go to, go to his chair because it's empty, gathering dust. He only comes once a year. And when he comes, he may give you a gift, but he doesn't take anything away. He doesn't take away the, the riddle of the grave, the burden of mistakes, the anxiety of demands. He might be kind of cute, but when it comes to healing hurts, don't go to Santa. You think that after centuries, we'd do better and develop a hero who could resolve these fears. We have heroes from King Arthur to Superman. But we soon realize that none of them can really supply what we need. Peace, happiness, eternal life. We soon realize that they are just as frail as we are and that they have the same problems that we do. They are sinful, they're mortal, they're just like us. Except one. There is one who came from a different place. There is one, though he has the appearance of man, he has his origin in God. There is one who, while he became a human, be a human being, he had the image of the Creator. At his touch, the blind see. At his command, the crippled leap for joy. At his embrace, empty lives are filled with vision. He fed thousands with one basket. He stilled the storm with one command. He raised the dead with one proclamation. He changed lives with one request. He rerouted the history of the world with one life lived in one country, born in one manger, died on one hill. He is Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world. He's the real star of the story. And un unlike Santa, he gives us the assurance of his guidance, of his care and his presence always. He is always with us and he has promised to never leave us. In fact, his very name is an assurance of his continual presence. His name is Emmanuel. We've sung about it this morning. He is God with us. And it's found in the book of Matthew. Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to Matthew. In the New Testament, we, have, we find the book of Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament, chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. I have the verse on the screen. 
Matthew chapter 1. But before we get there, Matthew here, at the start of his book, begins his book with a list of Jesus' ancestors. For the first time, the creator of all things has a genealogy. And when we look at his ancestors that are recorded here in verses 1 or 2 to 16, we find a prostitute, followed soon after by a murderer. Then there's a polygamist or two, a sadistic killer of prophets, and some of the most stubborn and rebellious kings of Judah. In his line, his ancestry, this is what we find. We discover that it's a very human genealogy. Then Matthew, starting in verse 18 of chapter 1, begins to describe the events associated with the birth of Jesus. Joseph has just found out that Mary is pregnant and an angel appears to him to assure him and to calm his fears that what has happened is from God. This is a miracle. The angel tells him to trust God. And Matthew there gives him this name in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. This is perhaps the greatest claim in the New Testament. Matthew doesn't present Jesus merely as a great teacher or a guru or a seer or even a messenger. Matthew is emphatic. Jesus is God with us and Christianity is built upon this essential claim. Matthew does not present Jesus as God above us, as though he is above humanity. He is not God in a chapel on a mountain somewhere far away that we have to work hard to reach. Neither is he God with an elect group of people. He is God with us. The us is humanity. It's all of us. It's you and it's me. The God of the universe, just think about it for for a moment, the God of the universe kicked against the wall of Mary's stomach. He was born into the poverty of a peasant and spent his first night in a feed trough of a cow. The Word became flesh and lived among us, John said. The God of the universe left the glory of heaven and moved into the neighborhood, your neighborhood, our neighborhood. And as he grew, Jesus, through his preaching, teaching, and healing acts of kindness, becomes the fullest revelation of the character of God. 
anyone Jesus claimed who has seen me has seen the Father. Paul wrote, God in Christ humbled himself, became a human being, adding that God was manifested in the flesh. God came near to us. God was with us. Giorgio Angelozzi put himself up for adoption. The 87-year-old Italian man lived in a little village just outside of Rome in Italy with his books and his seven cats. He kind of moped through life in this sleepy little village. His wife had passed away about 12 years earlier and his daughter was living and working in another country. He was alone, didn't have any family. And so one day he decided to do something about it. He put himself up for adoption. He contacted the uh, Italy's largest daily newspaper and placed an ad in the paper saying, retired teacher seeks family in need of a grandfather, would bring 500 euros a month to a family willing to adopt him. What do you think? Would you respond? The ad changed his life. The paper ran a front page article about him. Inquiries poured in from all over the country, even as far as Colombia, New Jersey, and New Zealand. <laughs> Giorgio became a celebrity overnight. He went from having nothing but time to having scarcely any time to handle interviews and requests. A pop star responded, a millionaire offered servants in a seaside villa, but one letter stood out. He explained, every member of the family, father, mother, sister, and brother had signed it. He settled into their ground floor apartment, taking walks in the garden, helping with dishes and homework. I couldn't have chosen better, he says. Maybe it was luck, or maybe it was God looking after me. I don't know. I knew right away I found my new home. He said, maybe it was God looking after me. I think that's what it was. God comes near, and he comes near to the lonely. He comes near to the hurting. He comes near to the suffering. He comes near to all of us. We long to be close to people, don't we? Don't get me wrong, sometimes we like solitude. Sometimes we need it. But there are times when we long to be close to people. We hunger for this physical contact, realizing this, two enterprising New Yorkers sell group hugs 
How would you like to buy one of those? You can buy embraces. You can even attend a hug fest. But be aware, there is a code of conduct. We long to be with people. And God longs to be with us. He longs to be close to us. God with us. You know, there's something special about that little word, with. With. Do you want to come with me? Do you want to come with me to the shops? Do you want to come with me to the hospital? Do you want to come with me to the cafe? Do you want to come with me through my life? Do you want to do life with me? With. Jesus, here at the start, he's introduced as God with us. He's coming close to us. And right at the end of this book, one of the last verses, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age, just before he ascended to heaven, Jesus reminded us that he is with us. And when you see that passage, Matthew 28, 20, there's no restrictions there. Search it. You won't find it. He he didn't say, I will be with you if you behave. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, I'll be with you if you believe. I'll be with you uh, on a Saturday morning at church. I'll be with you if you do the right things. That's not what he says. There's none of that. He simply says, I am with you. I will never leave you. No matter what you do, God says, I'm with you. God is with us. Prophets weren't enough. Apostles wouldn't do Angels won't suffice. God sent more than miracles and messages. He sent himself when he sent his son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. For thousands of years, God gave us his voice. Prior to Bethlehem, he gave his messengers, his teachers, his words. But in the manger, God gave us himself. He comes near to us beautiful thing about Christianity is that it celebrates God's surprising descent. His nature, surprisingly, his nature does not trap him in heaven, but leads him to earth. In God's great gospel, he not only sends, he becomes, he not only looks down, he lives among us, he not only talks to us, he lives with us as one of us. God with us. He knows hurts. His own siblings called him crazy. He knows hunger. He made a meal out of some grains he found in a field He knows exhaustion. He fell asleep in a storm-tossed boat. He knows betrayal. He gave Judas, his disciple, three and a half years of love, and Judas, in turn, gave him a betrayer's kiss. But most of all, 
he knows sin. Not his own. No, no, not his own. He knows your sin. He knows my sin. He knows every lie I've told. He knows every person I've hurt. He knows every dollar I've taken. He knows every promise I've broken. He knows every virtue I've abandoned. He knows every opportunity and time I've squandered. He knows every one of my deeds. He knows my sin. He knows me better than I know myself. And yet he loves me. And yet he loves me. And he knows you and everything that makes you. And he loves you. He loves you. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He takes away your sin. He takes away my sin. He takes away the sin of the world to show us that he loves us, that heaven would not be heaven without us. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 139, Lord, you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up, you know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know thoroughly everything I do. You are all around me and have put your hand on me. He knows us and yet he loves us. And in Psalm 56, he writes, Take note of these words, write them down, put them on a piece of paper and tape them to your bathroom mirror. God is for me. God is for you. When you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself, if you're like me, your belly is bloated, maybe you've got breath that could kill a dog. Your hair might be matted if you're blessed enough to have a full head of hair. Your wife or your partner won't kiss you until you brush your teeth or have drunk some water. Look into the bathroom mirror and say, God is for me. He's on your side. And not only is he with us here, and I've gone over time, I'm in trouble. Not only is he with us here, sorry folk, but he says, I want to be with you forever. He promised us, John 14, I will come back and get you so that where I am, you can be with me. That's who God is. Not only is he with us now, but he says, I want to be with you for eternity and I'm coming back to take you so that we can be together forever. He dwelt among us he lived with us. He knows what we go through, and he's the friend of sinners. Really quickly, uh, let me read this. This is uh, the message version of Hebrews 4. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin 
So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. That's what Jesus offers. That's what God is like. He is God with us. He is the real star of the Christmas story. In conclusion, one person wrote, someone wrote this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us grace. He sent us a saviour. He came near God himself comes near to us. He becomes like us so that we could become like him. Angels still sing and the star still beckons. He loves each one of us. He loves you as if there was only you to love. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas.